0: the rest of the country. I'm Hugh Hewitt. Thank you for listening to the program very, very much. I am joined by Dr. Matthew Spaulding, director of the Kirby Center. It is the Hillsdale Dialogue, the last radio hour of the week where I talk with either Larry Arn or Matt Spaulding or another member of the faculty at Hillsdale College about matters important and enduring big stuff, 30,000 feet. And today we're talking about executive privilege and we are talking and it's so nice when it actually feathers into the news, Matthew Spaulding. Good morning. You're in Michigan. I'm sorry to hear that. Uh, are you there, Matthew for Spaulding?
1: Red, uh, I'm here. you there?
0: Yeah. Yeah. Are you are you connected yeah. up? Or are you uh, on speaker? What's the deal here?
1: Uh, no, no I'm, I'm here, and uh, I'm here for commencement. Um, it's probably we'll Michigan
0: here. lacks infrastructure. I understand that.
1: And we have uh, General Neller from the commanding of the Marine Corps speaking to us.
0: Oh, the Commandant of the Marine Corps is your commencement speaker?
1: Yes, yes, we're uh, privileged. That'll be very good. And we have several Marines who are graduating, so he's going to also commission them all here.
0: Oh, that is terrific. Everybody set up straight. Uh, yes. His, <laughs> just one of those things. Uh, co- the Commandant is friends with my buddy Mel Spees, who you may have heard on the show before. Mel uh, and he are go way back, and everybody thinks he's been a fantastic Commandant. Uh, Matt, let me begin with the news of the day. I'm, ha- I'm going back and forth with mutual friends um, in the Senate and outside of the Senate, in the media and outside of the media, about the decision of the Senate Intelligence Committee to subpoena Donald Trump Jr to come back yet again before their committee I've had it you know I'm one of those guys who said leave Muller alone uh, let him finish his job cooperate okay we know there was no collusion Don Trump Jr. showed up there we know he's stiff arming them now but he's a private citizen and the government should not be harassing private citizens
1: no uh, I I think that's right the the only other question is whether the Senate Intelligence Committee is bringing him in to clarify some things, actually close this story off and, you know, dot some, you know, cross some T's and dot some I's. That's if they're doing that, that might be useful. But for otherwise, I think they've got to let you know move on and, and be done with it.
0: If he doesn't want to come back and he clearly doesn't and they think he lied to him, you refer it to the Department of Justice for perjury. But this smacks right. to That's me. Right of Scooter Libby. And I, I tried to explain this to Jonah Goldberg online. Every one of these special investigations, Watergate, Whitewater, Iran, Contra, Scooter Libby, Hamilton, Jordan, special Senate Select Committee, special House Committees, the House Intelligence Committee, now we got Jerry Nadler going crazy. They always devolve into we've got to be right. We've got to get uh, a scalp for the wall. That's what they always become. And I gather they're frustrated with Don Jr. because he's just telling him, you know, t- get out of here. See you later. I'm done. I'm a private citizen. And you know what? Conservatives ought to agree with him. And I don't know him. Yeah. I've, n- I've yeah. never met the guy.
1: No, I same here. Uh, look, the, the broader problem here is that we have continually mixed the, the, the legal question and the, the, the legal and political uh, questions together so that law and politics now are, are intertwined. And the problem you have if, if you want to make this a legal question, then all the parties involved deserve the due, uh, due process and all their proper rights but the political folks want to make this a political question and somehow blur that distinction such that we're not following the rule of law and the due process. If they want to make this a legal question, then the President of the United States gets due process. If they don't want to make it a legal question, they want to make it a political question, but they don't want him to be able to defend himself, which is why things like privilege and uh, subpoenas and testimony become crucially important here, because this is a political question at the end of the day. And they're trying to make it a legal question.
0: And Andrew C. McCarthy has written at great length about the abuse of the special counsel staff and the preparation of part two of the report by dumping all of the uh, innuendo into a forum where the objectives of that innuendo have no opportunity to respond, knowing full well it was going to be made public. And that is exactly what Comey did to Hillary Clinton, by the way. And it's why we don't have prosecutors uh, do that. You charge or you don't charge. You bring your case or it goes away. That's the way That's it right. works, Matt Spaulding.
1: No, and you're right. Andy McCarthy is—he's fabulous on this, and he's—he's and he's a former prosecutor, so he gets this, and he's been pointing this out. We we forget the extent to which our ability to uh, keep those two things separate is really crucial to the whole concept of constitutionalism and the rule of law. Right? We 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 try to divide those powers when we separate executive authority from legislative authority such that the the rule of law prosecutorial function is over here but the political questions that are normally dealt with in the, the deliberative legislative process are separate from that and we keep them divided in some in a, in a formal way such that we can actually deliberate about political questions without everything going back to uh the the the, the legal prosecutorial Process, which actually means using the force of government to, uh, you know, uh, enforce decisions. And, and we've kind of lost that. It's become very confused And that whether you like this particular president or this particular uh, issue or not, this is very important for the future as to what happens and what precedents are being set here in terms of uh, how this plays out in the future.
0: Now I want to talk a little bit about the political side effects of this as well we have a clown car going on in the house and we're going to come to that after the break and in the the other segments. so jerry nadler what burr doesn't seem to realize is that the public doesn't spend a lot of time distinguishing between clown cars and uh what's going on i'm told bird is just mad at don jr because he's been he's been impervious uh and so that's fine uh you can be mad at him but you don't you don't send a subpoena from the government and then sort of legitimize Nadler by doing so. I, I, that's what they don't seem to understand, is that they're legitimizing this craziness in the House by continuing on with, give us more, give us more in the Senate.
1: Right. No, I, I, I think you're right about this. I mean, a subpoena uh, and and now holding in contempt, those two actions coming from Congress are now seen as merely uh, a, a political move that you do at the drop of a hat. This is, the, this is precisely the kind of confusion I think we should be worried about. Those are serious moves, which in turn uh, trigger reactions by the executive for legitimate reasons. And, uh, yeah, if they want to call him in, that's fine. I'm not sure it's a good idea, but, but they shouldn't automatically jump to that, to that subpoena. That, that makes it a legal question now on top of everything else.
0: So, so, Matt, what, was, what is your advice, Richard Burr? My advice is to, to come out today and say, okay, um, look, uh, the subpoena shouldn't have gone, but it went out before we had the special counsel's report and before we had the leader McConnell's report and we're done. And, uh, and if any of my Democratic colleagues want to send a letter to DOJ, they're welcome to, but we're done. That's what I would do. Take my lumps and get it over with because this isn't going to fly. Don Jr. is never going to show up.
1: No, that's right. So you should, you know, usually in the past when these subpoenas would go out, that then opens a negotiation and discussion about how to resolve this matter. Uh, so, 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 yeah, I think you need to find a way to, to kind of get out of this and let, it, and let it go away. But you're right in picking up that that action has added credibility to what's going on in the House. And no. that's, more, that's the problem here.
0: And we'll talk about that after the break. Just, I want to go back to Scooter Libby because I'm still outraged about Scooter Libby. Uh, they, right. they, they went looking for a leak. that had we knew who, They knew who did it. Richard Armitage did it. Right. No one right. ever brings yeah. that yep. up. Everybody knows that Richard Armitage was the guy who, who blew Valerie Plame's quote, cover. It wasn't much of a cover, but it was Richard Armitage. And the special counsel there, Patrick Fitzgerald, knew that, and yet he still went after Scooter Libby. And to me, that's Javert in Les mises. That is just the abuse of the prosecutorial power. <laughs>
1: No, you're you, you absolutely to right. And that's the norm now, that you use the, the prosecutorial powers, uh, which were meant to be very distinct and very precise, for political reasons. This gets back to the whole idea of the Mueller report, right? He is, a, he is down the line of chain of command in the Department of Justice. He had a particular job as a prosecutor. Um, He was uh, instructed to see whether there was a case there to be proceeded upon as a legal question to prosecute. Since there wasn't one, he nevertheless wrote, I mean, you know, how many pages and thousands of words, uh, laying out a narrative. I I, I can't find anything to prosecute. I can't pursue this. And yet here I'm going to give you this long and lengthy report of a narrative uh, to make a political argument. Uh, That's not what the prosecutorial process should be for, and it also opens up the possibility that that process could be used in much more personally destructive ways, going after a particular person who doesn't have the ability uh, or the wherewithal to defend themselves.
0: Yeah, exactly. And that's
1: where we should be very nervous about the the growing power of the federal government and now combining prosecutorial power and politics, The, the notion that a a presidential administration can investigate a political campaign of, of his op- opposition party. Those kinds of things are very dangerous in a republic.
0: When we come back, we're going to talk about the Star Chamber and what it meant and why I'm beginning to use that term with regards to this whole fiasco because it does—it's gone into Star Chamber land now. And I've never been one of those critics of Mueller and of the committee. I just think they have lost their mind. I'll be right back, America, with Matt Spaulding, the Kirby Center's executive director, all things Hilldale at hilldale.edu. Twenty-two minutes after the hour, America, it's. Hewitt, this is the Hillsdale Dialogue. Once a week, I go very, very high up in the atmosphere with a member of the Hillsdale faculty, either Dr. Larry Arn, the president, or Dr. Matthew Spaulding, who is the, the Dean of Students and the leader of the Kirby Center in Washington, D.C., and a wonderful interlocutor, Matt Spaulding, joins me today. Everything Hillsdale is collected at hillsdale.edu. And all of our dialogues back to 2013, an hour a week, are at available for your binge listening and your exercise routines at hugh hillsdalecom Matt, um, 39 years ago down the road in Ann Arbor, I'm a first-year law student in the first semester taking crimes with a guy named Peter Weston. He's now a professor emeritus, so a William O. Douglas clerk. And the only time I ever elicited uh great enthusiasm from a professor because of my stupidity was when I put my hand up, he was talking about the Fifth Amendment and uh, uh about the part where no shall anyone be compelled in any criminal case to be a witness against himself. And I put up my hand and said, why do we even have that? And he got very excited and he said exactly the right question. Why do we have that? And he proceeded <laughs> on to explain about the Star Chamber. And so why don't you take a whack at this? Why do we not oblige people to testify against themselves?
1: Well, I mean, uh, look, this this goes back to a, a deep and underlying principle about why we have the very ideas of constitutional government and self-government. I mean. We, we we forget these things. You know, prior to the 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 really the development and establishment of, of of this idea from the, the long distance of British constitutionalism and into to America, um, the, the the fact of the matter is that the the force of law and the legitimacy of law and the dictation of law were all in 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 the hands of of one person or one group, and it they had the ability to. Uh, make the law and enforce the law to, to adjudicate the law uh, all in the hands of one, this, which, which Madison tells us in the, in the Federalist Papers is the very definition of tyranny. And there had been developed various ways throughout uh, Europe and even in to, to England uh, in its earliest days in which those powers were united in ways in which uh, groups uh, in, in the secret behind the door with the, with the, the authority ultimately from the king uh, could essentially you know, make, enforce, change, adapt, and apply the law to individuals without them being able to defend themselves. And coerce
0: Which confession. There was actually a room called the Star Chamber at Westminster where they would just coerce confession.
1: Right. Uh, so, I mean, you, you can go back to all sorts of historical examples about people that uh, were, were forced into these positions and their you know, lives were ruined and in many cases they lost their heads. Uh, and, and, and we can't call that the rule of law. And the, the, the reaction to that over long periods of time and the things we today associate with what is called due process, the process to which a citizen of equal standing is rightfully due, due process, uh, comes from that. Uh, how can we say we are, are a civilized people in, in, in respecting of others if we don't give them some sense of have their standing in this thing called a court of law. I mean the the most primeval notion of equality is that you are equal before the law, you have equal standing. So the person who is prosecuting you, which represents the executive power uh, the king, the, 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 the full authority of the state, you have a full and equal standing to defend yourself in, in the the face of that, it has to be done publicly. You have to be able to have a, 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 an attorney defending you. You have to know what the crime you're committed, uh, 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 what, what you're being accused of. Um, if there's a jury involved, it's going to be a jury of your peers. And the other crucial thing here is that uh, you do not have to do anything. The burden, the burden of proof, is on the person trying to prosecute you. And um, if you and don't, you can't meet that turn button. that around.
0: If you don't, they can't just slime you. That's the problem with Comey and and Hillary Clinton. That's the problem with Mueller and the president. They just can't slime you. Either they prosecute or they don't. And now so, I'm did, for.
1: Did you did you see this letter from uh, Emmett Flood in April? Yes, April nineteenth. Right? That's where it, 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 His argument there is it, it turns around the the he inverts the burden of proof. And and again, setting aside whether you like this guy or that guy or what's going on right now, the implications of that for the rule of law are monumental. Uh, The implication is that there's so much here that the president needs to prove that he did not commit these crimes. That's absurdity.
0: I will be right back with more of Matt Spalding now on executive privilege and the fight with the Nadler out of control House Judiciary Committee. Next on the New York Show. Welcome back, America Chu Hewitt. Thank you for listening to this. The last radio hour of the week on Friday is always devoted to the Hillsdale Dialogue with a member of the Hillsdale faculty or its president, Larry Arn, or its director of the Kirby Center, Dr. Matt Spaulding. It is commencement week in Michigan, so Dr. Spaulding joins us from Hillsdale where they've got the hamsters and the wheels and the powers up today. We're glad to hear that. And its uh, <laughs> is the ice off the roads yet? That's the important uh, thing to know about Michigan.
1: It's, it's a beautiful spring day and just When the students are leaving, it's going to be a beautiful summer.
0: So, So Matt, uh, we originally set out to it. I want to make sure we get to it Uh, this week. Jerry Nadler, uh, the out of control chairman of the House Judiciary Committee, um, began the process of holding Bill Barr, an estimable fellow, a genuine giant of the law, in contempt. Now, Eric Holder was held in contempt and nobody cared and he slugged it off. And it won't bother Barr at all either, because it's obviously uh, a, a bit of political theater. But it is the descent of the, uh, of the oversight process into, into clown show. What is your assessment of the Nadler gambit and executive privilege at this point?
1: So, so look, there, there, there are, I think, three things that, make, that show this for what, the, what it is and also make them comparison with the, uh, the Eric Holder situation. We need to keep in perspective here. So, one... Uh, the, the amount of information that the attorney general shared with Congress, he wasn't even required to give them the Mueller report. He gave it almost all of it to them. I think the second volume, which is on obstruction, they're only a matter of a small number of lines that were redacted. It's almost right. all there. And the, the other matter that's not there is largely having to do with sources and methods and grand jury material And on top of that, there is a less redacted version that is available to Congress in a skiff. And on top of that, I believe just the other day, they allowed them to go and actually take notes. So it's not that anything is not is nothing is being provided here. Um, When Eric Holder was was held in contempt, it was because he refused to give Congress anything having to do with the Fast and Furious investigation. Um, Second thing. The, the 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 key piece behind this uh is these this grand jury material that uh they want to see uh but the fact of the matter is that's a statutory question there's a matter of law here it's it's the congress has not changed the law so that you can re, show give give up those uh, grand jury matters As a matter of fact the d.c circuit court just a month or so ago, the controlling court said you can't do that. It's a statutory matter. Congress has done nothing.
0: That's called the McKeever decision, McKeever versus Barr. And you're right. It occurred on April the 6th.
1: Um, but but that means that the attorney general, by not giving Congress that material, is actually following the law of Congress. Yep. Uh, and and it, it, that's the exact opposite in, in the Holder case. He was... Uh, he had complete – he could have g- given that material. There was no reason why he couldn't. He was giving them nothing. And then the third thing that really shows it, I think, for what it is, is the, the breadth of the subpoena that they sent to Barr for which they're holding him in contempt. They want uh, the full report and all the summaries, all the appendices, all the attachments. I think the report, that's, that's really uh, almost a non-issue. He's essentially given it to them. We don't want the sources and methods released. But they also asked for all documents referenced, all documents obtained by the Mueller uh, the, the committee the special uh, committee uh, the, all the investigative materials, any materials created it's, it's potentially you know millions of pages of documents. This is absolutely ridiculous. Um, and in and the, the, the claim of, of, of executive privilege historically is always about particular documents you know, document by document by document. There's no way uh, that this can be done in, in short order. So the attorney general, in order to um, uh, protect himself but also protect his president, uh, given the fact that he's abiding by the, the law in terms of what he can give Congress and what he can't give Congress, and what is legitimately an executive privilege question, asserted what is called protective assertion, not a full assertion of executive privilege, protective assertion to, to um, until we get a full assessment of this, uh, we're not going to, to, to release these documents. we had got to go through it, uh, document by document. In the, in the Holder case, uh, the, the claim, President Obama's claim of executive privilege uh, was, was a massive claim of, a, of a, a whole category of documents after a particular de- date that dealt with precisely the thing that Congress is trying to investigate. So they, they really are very different uh, situations. Uh, Attorney General Barr is trying to abide by the rule of law. He's bending over backwards to do everything he is allowed to be done. Uh, they, they uh, Moments before they hold him in contempt, he uh, writes a letter to the president asking for this protective assertion, which, among other things, Protects him and others from criminal contempt charges uh, Because they've not gone through these millions and millions of documents. It is
0: it is such an abuse of the process and it is Happened after two and a half years and I keep coming back And I believe the American people are here you forget the resistance forget our hardcore base I just think they have watched for two and a half years Uh, major charges including the former director of the CIA saying the president committed treason including allegations that he might be a Russian asset or a stooge they've watched all this play out to a conclusion that the special counsel rendered in large block letters no collusion now he fuzzed it up on on obstruction and we can talk about that all day but we know there's no collusion and I think that the vast majority of Americans are done with this they 've had it, Matt Spaulding, and I think Nadler is digging himself a hole. What do you think
1: oh, I, I think he 's digging himself a hole and digging a the Democratic Congress a hole and, and digging the legislative branch into a hole for for a couple of reasons. one is you 're always going to have uh, some fire Browns around the edges, including uh, you know several members who have called for arresting the Attorney general and 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 the, the, the speaker even reminded us they have a jail in the in the basement of the Capitol building. There's just silliness, but then also they're putting themselves into a position. Um, and I think the impeachment question is back on the table and whether they can resist that or not. I don't know, but the the logic of this and where they're going points there. And if if you know, there's a certain argument to be had there as well that the. The power of Congress, when it comes to say a subpoena or, or fighting some of these questions, increases as they are doing a constitutional duty, such as impeachment. Um, so, his own logic to try to go down these steps, even though I think he ne- he does not have any intention of getting this into the courts, where I think he will be on weak ground. But the logic of the political logic of it is actually to push them towards I- impeaching the president. And, and I Senator, think that that's Senator John Cornyn,
0: uh, only six minutes ago, tweeted out in response to Jerry Nadler saying we're in a constitutional crisis, which is just silly. Uh, John Cornyn said it's hardly a constitutional crisis. This will all be sorted out in the courts. Rather, Nadler stokes his base with red meat and catnip for the fawning press. That is 100 percent correct. Right. That is exactly what Nadler is doing. He is playing to the resistance TV networks. And there are a couple of them and I work with both of them and I'm happy to, uh, I, you know, I'm a, Consultant NBC News, and I've been on CNN for years. Until I went over to NBC, they are resistance news, and that's where they get their audience from. And they need one percent of the country to watch, and one percent likes this. But I think that ninety-five percent right. just think this is well, I, crazy. I, I, I,
1: the, 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 the vast majority see the absurdity of this. But look, I I don't even think he, this will go into the courts ultimately. The, the 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 think about this. The the subpoena is so overly broad that the this assertion of executive privilege or this protective assertion is so patently uh, reasonable. They've got to have time to go through this. There are bound to be um, materials in there that need executive privilege. But they intentionally wrote it so broad that Barr could never uh, do that, which essentially they're they're actually – making it so broad that this question will be out there, and I don't think it can even be litigated at this point, at least not in any, anywhere near the, 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 the immediate future. I think they're just playing charades. This is complete theater. It's not a serious question, and it won't be a serious legal question for some time. It's so overtly broad, and, and the precedent for what Barr did in this protective assertion actually goes back to Bill Clinton. <laughs> Clinton did this. Um, uh, and, and, and Clinton relied on a memo written by Ronald Reagan about holding things in abeyance rather than uh, issuing subpoenas. I, I think he's actually doing this in a way that it's solely uh, intended for the political theater of it. It's not actually intended for a, a legal courtroom challenge or a serious constitutional question.
0: When it's we come back from break... Theater. When we come back from break, we will continue the conversation about how the Republicans ought to respond to this. Don't go anywhere, America. I'm talking with Matthew Spaulding, He's the director of the Kirby Center at Hillsdale College. It is the Hillsdale Dialogue. Welcome back, America. 51 minutes after the hour. It is the Hillsdale Dialogue. I'm Hugh Hewitt, joined by Dr. Matt Spaulding, director of Hillsdale College's Kirby Center. All things Hillsdale are found at hillsdale.edu. You can also sign up for Imprimus, the absolutely free speech digest of the, the college available and sent to millions of you every month. You can also watch the online courses taught by Dr. Arn, Dr. Spalding, many others like Victor Davis Hanson. You will love Hillsdale at EDU after you begin to use it. But now, Matt Spalding, let's go back to the question at hand. You are Kevin McCarthy or Kevin McCarthy calls you. What do you urge him to do to respond to Jerry Nadler? They won the majority. They won 40 seats. It wasn't a landslide. It wasn't like 1982 or 2010, but they got a healthy win. And the Republicans have the Senate and we can. I, I, I'm bringing pressure to bear on Richard Burr to, to stop this nonsense. But right, in the House, right. the Democrats rule. What do you suggest Kevin McCarthy do? <laughs>
1: uh, I'd probably be of two minds. Uh, One is I think they should uh, use whatever powers they can as the minority and members of committees uh, to constantly point to the proper rule of law process and to remind people of how that's being violated. Uh, But on the other hand, as a political matter, uh, as a head of the minority who wants to be back in the majority, I would be tempted to try to highlight uh, what they're doing and let them hang themselves because they're going so far out on, a, on 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 a limb here, I think that they're getting into a politically dangerous area. Uh, uh, in, in in which I think that's not where the, the American people are, as you said said earlier. This is a, a very uh, um, uh, you know, position of a very small minority. I'm, if we think about it in historical terms, I, I this is a um, a a Trump uh, you know this this resistance. Uh, it's very impassioned. Uh, it reminds you of uh, various periods in American history, including the, the antebellum <laughs> South, in which it's, its politics are so motivated by the passions that they're going to get into very dangerous political and ultimately constitutional territory uh, that is not good for them holding their majority. But they're going to start making some crucial mistakes, I think, uh, and already are going down that path, which in turn is going to set up a larger threat to the systemic rule of law. That's so that There's a crisis right now, and I actually think there is in a certain way if we use the word in its proper ter- uh, meaning, which is a turning point, an a, a important moment of, of choice. Um, right now we're having a, d- a debate under the, really the, the larger debate here is about the continuance of this uh, system of the rule of law under the separation of powers with the executive and the, and the judiciary, and I think that there's a, 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 a threat here, or at least a challenge here, that the passions of the moment about this particular president or what's going on right now that has gotten the better of a small minority of, of individuals in, in the democratic party uh, such that they are a threat to themselves, meaning a, a electoral threat. But also I think it, it really raises some, some very serious questions about how uh, these, these types of passions or, Filter out, if you will, any Republican form of government and in a legislative body. And you know, Matt, I'm working I, right now.
0: If I were McCarthy, I would gather up my most sober-minded, indeed, perhaps dullest members, who are very good lawyers, and have them be the response team, and then urge my caucus, don't get into a mud thr- sl- slinging contest with Nadler. Right. Every day, we're going to send out our boring lawyers to remind people about Article One, Article Two and the overreach that is underway here, and we're going to remind them of the... We're going to read from the special counsel's report, that right. part, yep. which is not redacted, and then just drive home the excess that is happening here.
1: There you go. Right? You, so so you, you, you point to the rule of law process, but otherwise, you will uh, point to that excess and, 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 and highlight it. You don't, don't fight at that, at that level, because I think that would pull down the whole institution, or at least uh, the, 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 you know, both parties into this. I, I think that... He has uh, an additional constitutional obligation as, you know, a, a, a leader in the House of Representatives to maintain that process. Um, and I, I think it's absolutely necessary, you know, now, perhaps perhaps more than ever, it's, it's in these precise moments uh, in which you have high political debate, especially between the, the, the two popular branches, the legislative and executive branch, that you need Uh, sober-minded individuals who have their eye on the ball and not let our passions get away from us.
0: And this is why I'm impressed with Doug Collins. Doug Collins is the uh, ranking GOP member of House Judiciary. He's Air Force. uh, He's still a reservist, uh, Air Force Lieutenant Colonel. He is a um, theology, master's in divinity. He's a JD. He is just so calm. And that's exactly what we need.
1: Completely agree. Completely agree.
0: Uh, Matt Spaulding, have a wonderful commencement. Remember, sit up straight if the commandant is there.
1: It's the the 167th uh, commencement of Hillsdale College. Wow. And to think Larry uh,
0: was there when they opened it.
1: <laughs> and we'll be here for long afterwards, I hope. Uh, we will continue, and we'll graduate more, and we're going to have college again next year. So
0: Tell Methuselah I said hello and congratulations. Will, and Enjoy the festivity. Congratulations to every Hillsdale honoree and graduate this weekend. It is a terrific place to have a commencement, and they always do it just so well. Thank you, Dr. Spaulding. Don't any of you go anywhere except to... Uh, the post-game show over at townhallreview.com. We also have a great podcast this week, which includes my David Brooks interview. I thank uh, Adam. I thank General Ben. Thank you, uh, Generalissimo, and to all of you out there. Have a wonderful weekend and a
1: beautiful Mother's Day. Thank you, moms across America. This we'll is see you the Show.